The last nearly 12 months have been the great disruptor of our lives and of our ministries. No doubt about it, we're leading in a day where it seems like everything has changed and we're still not quite sure where it's all going. This season of the Leading Second Podcast is dedicated to every church leader who is still standing, full of faith, with a heart to build healthy, life-giving churches for the future. If you're on a church team and want to get this season right for your pastor, then welcome home to your tribe. I'm Brandon Stewart, and this is season four of the Leading Second Podcast. This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, so hit the subscribe button, consider sharing this episode with your team, and let's join Brandon Stewart for another vital conversation for all of us who lead from the middle. Welcome back to our regular Thursday episodes of the Leading Second Podcast. So excited and honored to have a space in your world as a leader. After a bit of a break, uh, we are back with fresh content every Thursday through the end of this spring. Really excited for all that is to come. And by the way, I'm going to warn you, this season of the podcast is not just for you. It's for your entire team. Every week on the podcast, we're going to tackle a big question. And our hope, our prayer is to tee up a big conversation for you to wrestle through with your team. Today, I'm excited to kick off season four of the podcast by welcoming back my good friend and a significant contributor to the Leading Second Tribe, Larry Bry of Elevation Church. Uh, The question we're going to wrestle through today is this, where do we go from here. No doubt that's a big question. And brought back for this season, we're going to be providing show notes and discussion questions every single episode for you to use with your team. Uh, if you're not receiving those, make sure to head to leadingsecond.com and, uh, or reach out to us on Instagram or check the podcast description for discussion questions. We pray it'll help you and your team. Before we dive into today's conversation, uh, we have been receiving a ton of questions from podcast listeners that we wanted to tackle this season and just provide some perspective on. So here's a question for our first segment today from a listener of the Leading Second podcast. Let's check this out. All right, well, I'm talking today with Crystal from San Antonio, Texas. Say what's up to everybody, Crystal. Hey, everyone. So glad to talk with you today. And actually, you and your husband uh, contribute to our Leading Second team as well. And we love you guys and love your church. And uh, maybe tell us a little bit about you and where you're at. Sure. Um, I get to be on staff full time at the Purpose Church in San Antonio, Texas. Me and my husband. And I get to... um, be our experiences director. So basically that's just worship and production, that whole realm of things. You guys have an absolutely crazy story over the last couple of years, but God has been so good and God has been so faithful and I love what he's doing uh, in your house. Uh, you sent in a question the other day I thought was so good. I thought many would resonate with. So why don't you, I guess, share what was on your mind the other day? Sure. Um, so the gist of the question was, Um, what methods of ministry 
aren't working anymore and the inversion of that, which are, are thriving. I really just, the heart behind that, because I'd love to know what leaders, teams, um, senior pastors are talking about surrounding this topic. I know that this past year um, either shook or solidified values for teams and um, as, as well as methods. And I love this idea that teams are really talking about what are we always going to do um, what is on the table of things we could change and what are things that just aren't working anymore. So I'd love to know what the conversation is surrounding that. Yeah, no, it's, it's such a good question. And you know, how long do you have? I mean, this is, this is, this could be 10 episodes, you know, just, um, just talking about what's not working anymore, what is working anymore, and I do think that that uh, question is varied uh, depending on part of the country, depending on your context. We have many listeners in Canada and in other places, and even the answers would be different there. So I very much think that that the jury is still out on on so much of it. Um, I know one thing that isn't working, Crystal, just to kind of give you a really broad thought is the assumption that we're all still on the same page. Wow. I I think I assumed, even in, in my home church and, and other churches, I have the opportunity to coach and, and interact with. In fact, your church was the first church, or I'm sorry, the last church I was at right before shutdown happened uh, last year. So I didn't know that my flight home from seeing you guys was my last flight for seven months. But I think something that I have realized, Crystal, over the last year was it in our churches that we were assembled but not aligned. That was something my pastor has said. We had people in the room, but that doesn't mean we were on the same page. I think I assumed that because we communicated well from a platform, because we had good graphics and good email communication and and semi-healthy teams, I actually thought that people in our churches were more on the same page than they were. And it turns out we weren't. And when the great disruptor happened, which was COVID, and then you add on all the smattering of tensions that happened around 2020 and beyond, um, it really, it really came through and it showed us um, maybe where we weren't on the same page. So I think right now I'm not assuming that I am assuming um, now, and I'm also not assuming, by the way, that everyone's adversarial. What I'm trying to communicate here is I'm assuming that that my new job is actually to bring people along in a better way and actually to to even understand them a bit more and be a better relator and communicator with the people that I lead. So I think that assumption absolutely is not working. I'll tell you what I think has changed is um, every church now it appears to me is now a global church, meaning, you know, last year we were all forced to go online and uh, we did it either out of necessity or vision or whatever, but what we all had to. And so now you have people coming to your church. If you're still doing an online expression, you have people coming to your church this weekend that actually could consider themselves a part of your church that don't live anywhere near San Antonio. So every church is now a global church, which is awesome. I believe it's it's a great avenue and a great day for the gospel to move forward. 
but that doesn't mean that people actually know your church and, and are actually connected to your church. So, um, I think what is working and what has become even more important in this season is, is connection. I heard it said that connection is the new excellence. Meaning not just someone on your mailing list, not just someone following you on social media, not even someone in a Facebook group for the church, not even someone in a small group. Like I'm going to go super far on this. Not even someone in growth track or whatever you do for membership class or whatever. Not, not even that. I'm talking real, authentic, meaningful connection. The COVID storm that came through is not the last storm that's going to come through our churches in this season. So when the next storm comes through, I want to see more people standing because they had the roots of authentic community. They are known and they know the people in our churches. They're just not on a list somewhere. So I, and I, and I want to give credit. Uh, I heard a speaker named Katie Cole uh, share that thought connection is the new excellence. So I think we've always had that essence to the church, but I just think it's even more important in this season. So, I mean, for anyone listening, who's, who's wrestling through this, just realize, realize this, you're not alone. We're all wrestling through this question. The answers we all come to may be a little bit different and maybe let's last thought crystal for you. Maybe let's give ourselves permission to not have to fully answer that question until a few months down the road. I don't think we necessarily know the end result from this season yet, but I think it's really healthy for us all to remain on the journey. Does that help? So good. Thank you so much for that answer. Well, I'm beyond excited to kick off season four by welcoming back Pastor Larry Bry of Elevation Church. He is a campus pastor. He's an executive level leader, one of the original team members of Elevation Church. He's a fierce developer of leaders. He's a culture creator. And what I love most about him is he is someone who understands deeply the role and responsibility that we all share to hold up the arms of our pastors. He is brilliant in his communication. He is faithful in his service, and I'm so excited for you to hear from him today. Today, as we've mentioned, we're going to have a conversation on where do we go from here. At some point, we will have to begin to see beyond the COVID season and lead in our new reality. And we also recognize that a lot has changed in the landscape of the church, and I think you're going to find some incredible wisdom from Larry in this conversation. So without further ado, here it is, my conversation with Larry Bry on where do we go from here? Well, my friend, so good to be talking to you again uh, on the podcast. Welcome back. And uh, so good to see your face today. How are you doing? How you doing, my friend? It's always good seeing you, even if it's on the other side of the country. There's just, there's something about seeing Brandon that makes you smile. We need to change that though. It'll be, it'll be in person soon. I'm soon, I'm sure. But, uh, Hey, we love you and thank you so much for, um, some time today and for your voice. I do want to take a minute though, before we get started and honor you because, um, I, I think I tell you this, but I don't tell you enough. You are an incredible inspiration to, to me, to Lindsay, and I know to leaders everywhere, uh, I want to honor you even personally, just saying a big thank you for 15 years of faithfulness at Elevation. Elevation Church is about to celebrate 
uh, or maybe by the time this airs has celebrated uh, 15 years of a miracle of what God is doing. But I want you to know that um, your faithfulness and your consistency has massively impacted my life. Even in fact, when COVID got hairy and, and all the stuff of 2020 happened, um, I needed a friend to call one day and I called you and you spoke words of life over Lindsay and I that we so desperately needed to hear that day. So from the bottom of my heart, you know, for, for whatever it took on your end to be, to be faithful and consistent, even in this last season, thank you. I know you are helping leaders everywhere more than, you know, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, I love you. I love Lindsay. I absolutely support what you're doing. I think the message that you guys are trying to get out is one of the most important messages in the church world today. Because if, if the enemy wants to attack our leaders, he'll often pick off the people who are supposed to hold their arms up. And I need somebody holding my arms up. And I know what it's like when I need to call somebody. And the fact that you allowed me a moment to just hold your arms up in that moment, uh, it's a privilege. It's what we get to be uh, in the kingdom. And I love the fact that, that we go through all this stuff with COVID and all these challenges, but what it all boils down to is the things that matter the most. And it's going to be the people in those relationships. That's right. And I love you. And it's just an honor to serve you. And uh, I'm excited to spend a little bit of time with you today. I, I am too. And hey, for anyone listening today, we're just going to have a, an, an open, honest, upfront conversation. And I just want to give anyone listening today the, the, the permission to consider where you're at. I mean, let, let's be honest. Uh, we have been through a lot in the last 12 months. This episode will come out right about 12 months after um, you know, our church has started to close their doors. C- could we even have imagined, you know, what, what was coming? And then, um, and I, and I know you resonate with this LB, um, the terrain changed and we were left uh, trying to figure out how it had changed. What's gone on. I, I, I laugh still sometimes when I think that we thought we were going to be back in church for Easter, you know, in 2020, I remember thinking that I like, got, oh, this will be all over by Easter, you know, and then, and <laughs> yes, then it was, all over. and then it was, okay, it's, it's gotta be all over by summer. You know, I remember thinking we were still going to have, have team church conference last year. And then, uh, okay. Th- there's no way. I remember telling Lindsay one day, there's no way on, on God's green earth that this goes past fall, <laughs> you know, and, and yet here we are. And um, so the, the the terrain has changed. And so let's maybe just start there for a minute. Because I always just love to get leaders take on this. How, what's changed in your opinion? Like how have things changed? I mean, my, my gosh, everything. I mean, the way you shop for groceries. Because you're like, if you have a mask on or you don't have a mask on. And the, the way you, you interact with your family. Because now you're all confined to the same quarters and you can't even escape right. them. Um, and it expresses itself in all these crazy ways. It was funny. Um, my six-year-old, she was at home virtually learning the other day, yesterday, in fact, and she was taking a test. And finally she just looks at my wife and she yells, I'm so over this. I'm like, (laughs) yes, that's, I think everybody listening to this podcast is in their own way, shape, size going, I am over this. I'm kind of done. Like, and you're right. Like hope deferred makes, makes the heart sick and it'll mm-hmm. happen by fall. It'll happen by Christmas, surely by Easter of 2021. And like, I don't know, maybe not. 
And so I think all of us have those places in our life that we're waiting to re-engage once it goes back mm. to normal. But we're all sitting in this landscape of like, I don't think that's ever coming back. Mm. And so now it forces us to get bitter or get better. And it's easy for me to get bitter. It's, it really is. Like, it's easy for me to resent and be like, I liked it better or why can't we? And yeah, it's just, it's frustrating. You know, looking for a silver lining here just for a minute, I know there's some good that this season has has brought out of us, brought out of our churches. I actually feel like I see it, feel like God's given me eyes to see it. What, in your opinion, like what, what's been the gold and the good of the season that we've been walking through? Yeah, because I think those things are only discovered when you look back. And it's really hard in the moment for anybody to see gold. Because all you see is the cave. But once you look back and you can start to see the tunnel and some of the shimmering lights on it, that's when you start to realize it. And so I think for me, what I've realized is it's helped me realize I I am too quick to label things. I am so quick to put a label on something that is good or bad so I can organize it and make sense in my mind. What I've realized is like I can't label COVID good or bad. I can't label all the structural changes in our ministry good or bad because in my bitterness, I want to label it as bad. I think, too, we we wrap it in I'm being faithful and we wrap it in we're hard workers. You know, I wake up every day wanting to steward my life well, steward what God has given me well. And I think all those things are fine and good. But I I don't think I realized how resistant I was to uh, something new God was going to try to do in my life until until it was actually forced. You know, it's like my, my, my hand was forced in the whole thing. I had somebody reach out to me, a leader reach out and say, hey, what do I do with all my people who are MIA? And I know what he was meaning. He, he says, we're meaning in action or missing in action. And so, but what I responded back with, I says, hey, let me, let's redefine what MIA is. Maybe it's missing in anxiety. Hmm. Maybe the world has been hmm. so flipped upside down that what we're seeing as missing in action, we're not seeing at the level that life is lived where chaos is consuming and people have no uncertainty and anxiety fills them. And anytime we have anxiety and doubt, we retreat and we withdraw. But it's easy to question somebody's behavior, behaviors, but it's really, really hard to feel their pain and their misery and to actually discover their belief system. So maybe people aren't missing in action. Maybe they're just missing in anxiety. And I don't know how to even interpret it. Really good. Really good uh, frame on that. Let's talk about this for a second before we get into, I think, the heart of our conversation today. You know, we have volunteer teams that are struggling to be rebuilt right now. You know, we have we have church church vision that at times can feel very foggy, very muddy. We're all kind of grasping for what are our new models. I mean, you, you name it, you know, the, the, the pressures are there. What would you say right now to the leader that's listening to this today that just feels exhausted themselves. They're doing, they're doing their best uh, to hold their pastor's arms up, but in the process, you know, their own arms are shaking. You know, what, what, um, what would you say to that leader today? Me too. Like I, I, I don't know how many days I woke up saying, God, I don't, I don't know even how to be successful today. Um, I don't know what winning looks like. Uh, I don't know how to minister to somebody else because I feel like I'm really struggling myself. 
I'm supposed to have confidence, but I've got so much doubt. It's, it's the, it's Jesus looks at his disciples and they're hungry and he says, feed the people. And like, how can I give somebody something I don't have? Right. And there's this place of depletion that many of us are operating in. And I'm going to say me too. And I think, you know, I would say it like this, when you get on a plane and they give you the instructions about the plane and nobody listens to the flight attendants. And then they say, in the case of loss of cabin pressure, this oxygen mask is going to pop down. But they always say this, says, put your mask on first before you help anybody else with it. Yes. And before we talk about system structures, I just want to speak to the people that are watching your podcast that are watching this. It's like, it's okay to admit you're exhausted. I'm exhausted. We're all exhausted together. So before we start rearranging everything, how about we say, guys, we've been living in this uncertainty for almost a year. Every framework we would use for normalcy has been shattered. We're playing a different game that nobody's even told us what the rules of it are, nor how to score points in it. I'm exhausted. We're all exhausted. We got to start there, Brandon. I think that's like, if there's anything I would encourage our our brothers and sisters serving the Lord, like, man, it's it's okay to not feel like you know all the answers to have it all together right now. And it's okay to take the moment you need to take to put your mask on. You know, put get get some oxygen in your system. And and I I just I don't know, maybe this helps somebody. I I was there in you know the the middle of 2020 summer, and I had to give myself permission to to, you know, find that space. I mean, I remember talking to Lindsay, Lindsay knew where I was at. And I said, I need to go for like a two hour walk today. Like I just, I need, can you, can you hold down the four? And, and of course I returned the favor with her when she needed it. I mean, we were just kind of felt like we were this team of like fighting for the space that we needed to, to get there. And I, I do believe with, with all of my heart and the faithfulness and goodness of God, that the Lord is found when he is sought and um, that the, the, the world can't find peace right now. I think, I think that, is, that is that we, we hear a lot about exhaustion, but I know that the promise of God over our lives as Christ followers, certainly those of us that have signed up to lead that, that he will meet us and has promised us peace that surpasses understanding, you know, rising up on wings like eagles and running, running and not growing weary. And I just know that's our promise. We just have to be the people of faith that hold on to that and, and fight for the time to get there. Yeah. And I love it. And, 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 and it is, we have those promises, but we want them for everybody else. But very seldom do we realize them in our own lives because we're so busy serving everybody else. And that's why I'm glad you're creating leading second. It's a place to serve people that you don't have to show up with the answers. You can show up and be served and you can be ministered to. And I think one of the, one of the biblical characters and stories that's really ministered to me, gosh, for really the last two years, I shared this when I was out at champion center, second Samuel 21. Once again, there was a battle between the Philistines and Israel. David went down with his men to fight against the Philistines and he became exhausted. What started David's life was a battle. What's been a constant his whole life are battles. And once again, and so many of us feel like, Lord, am I really struggling with this again? Lord, I thought I got rid of this stuff when I was 18. Lord, why am I going back to old wells for a thirst? Because I don't know how to handle the uncertainty. 
And so what happens is when we go through chaos and uncertainty, we go back to really old patterns of dealing with situations. So the dysfunctional patterns of our past are surfacing in the present and the devil will make you feel like you're failing, but no, you're not failing. You're just thirsty. You're tired. You're exhausted. And we're looking to old things to quench that thirst. And David became exhausted. Am I really struggling with this again, Brandon? I got four kids and a mortgage. I'm a leader in one of the greatest churches on the planet. Am I really struggling with insecurity? Say it, say it. And immature versions of me go to really unhealthy patterns. It doesn't mean that I don't love God. It just means that I'm exhausted and I'm weak. I'm not a hypocrite. I'm hungry. We would say it like that. And so, but, but David was going down to fight a battle that he should have never fought. And he didn't know how to deal with it. And so for the person that's feeling exhausted today, I don't know. I've just been praying for you. I really have Brandon. I've just been really praying for the church leaders that find themselves a place of exhaustion. And when you go back to old patterns, you bring up old shame and old guilt. And what's happening to our church leaders across the planet is we're disqualifying ourselves because we did not know how to interpret the exhaustion. Wow. Interpreting the exhaustion. That that's, that's a word for somebody. That's a word for me today. Um, I, I received that. Let's, I wanted, well, the space I wanted to get into today is exactly where you've taken us now. Where do we go from here? <laughs> that was, that was the big question. And we're going to try to, at least over these next few episodes on the podcast, we're going to try to chase down a big question. And that's, that's the question I wanted to kick off this season with where in the world, maybe we'll say it like that, <laughs> where the heck, uh, do we go, do we go from here? Um, so I have a big question. I want to just set you loose on for a minute. What do you think the leader looks like that's going to thrive next? So if, if we're, if we're going to work toward something and move towards something, I feel like the target's different, but I wonder what the target is. And I'd love your thoughts on that. Man, I love it. I love the question. I love the, the, the conversation around where do we go? Um, but I think it's really good before we move forward, we look back. I just got done leading our, our, our church through a, a, a study of the book of Acts. And it was a Bible study every morning where I tell down every chapter. It was, it was wonderful. We, we did it. But what I came to realize is Acts 1.8 is when the Holy Spirit came upon them, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Okay. The first six chapters, seven chapters of Acts are all about the the, the gospel in Jerusalem. It would have never left Jerusalem had persecution not broken out in Jerusalem. And Acts 8.1 says, and a great persecution broke out that day. The persecution is what scattered the seed to Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And so we have a tendency to keep things to ourselves and keep it within our systems and our structures and, and, and again, the tension that broke out in Acts 6, where the Hellenistic Jews, the Greek-speaking Jews, were being overlooked in the distribution of bread, okay? So you've got a people from a different race and culture and language feeling oppressed by another one. Doesn't sound like our world today at all. We, <laughs> the know, Bible's irrelevant. But what the church did, the leader said, 
is two seven people, men, who are going to be a part of creating the solution with it. Here's what I love about that, that, that decision by the church leadership. It says we have to open up more seats at the table for people who know what it's like to sit in that struggle. Mm. Mm. It would have been so easy for the apostles to say, here's what you do, guys, this, 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 and this. But they said, we don't know what it's like to feel. We don't know what it's like to think. And we don't know what it's like to act, to be in their circles. So how about we pull them to the table? But then the persecution broke out. Stephen gets stoned and now it scatters. And the word seed means it is, means to be scattered. And it was the wind of persecution that caused the seed to scatter in places it would have never landed. Hmm. I have to believe looking back that that's exactly what God is doing today. He is scattering the seed into places to Judea, Samaria. So the person watching in Columbus, Ohio, God wants to scatter it beyond the bubbles of Christianity into circles of pagan religions, into places of hedonistic worship, into, into atheists. And I'm so glad that God is scattering the seed to reach in places we've never dreamed. That's what I'm excited about. So we got to look back to understand the pattern of the gospel. It's always been spread, but we want to keep it comfortable and manageable and in a system mm. that I can navigate. And God hmm. says, you don't worship your systems. It's about the gospel. So good. So good. Well, and I think that's where we're at. And, and that's why I love Paul. Paul knows a part of his journey is to go back to Jerusalem to be put in shackles to head to Rome. But he's got great church leaders telling him, you should not go back there. Here's the problem. The Holy Spirit spoke to Paul. You'll be persecuted. But he said, but you will suffer for my name. The other people heard the Holy Spirit speaking, you're going to be persecuted, but they interpreted it as please don't go there because God would never want you to struggle. Hmm. Hmm. And there's something about this comfortable Christianity that we wrap up in a package that says God would never want you to struggle and it should always get easier. And we have sold people a form of Christianity and leadership that says it'll get easier if you're following God. Wow. True. And the thing about being uncomfortable, it preaches really good, by the way. Great point. Amen, brother. Preach it. And, and so, so it's easy. Like, okay, God's looking for a, an uncomfortable version of Christianity. That The problem is he's going to have to get you uncomfortable. <laughs> and so it, it, I think the point is really well received, but then you, you leave your office or, you know, you park your car, you're maybe listening to this driving right now. You know, the next room you step into in life, you're going to experience something uncomfortable. And then all of a sudden we put the brakes on because we don't like it. Totally. And so Peter in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit says, hey, don't call stuff unclean that I've called clean. Right. Cornelius's house and tell him about the Lord. Cornelius was was a non-believer. He was a non-Jew. But Peter goes there because he knows God's in it. He goes back to his friends and his friends are like, why on earth would you eat with somebody who's unclean and go into his house? And we've got these forms of religion, what we call clean and unclean. And we've created systems and structures because the problem then was if you're going to become a Christian, it means you become a Jew. Those two are inseparable. They could not comprehend those two things being separate. 
I wonder how much we struggle in our church world to say, if you really love Jesus, you got to fit into our box of church. Mm-hmm. And God is shattering it. It says, you can't put me in a box. You can't contain yeah. me in a system, in a process. I'm so much bigger than all of that. So I need to break that so that people can really worship Jesus and not the form of religion. And, and, and as soon as you try to do that, uh, he will break your box <laughs> as, soon, as soon as you try to. And my tension, my tension is this. I want to put everything back into the box yeah. that I created. That's my frustration because I know how to do church, Brandon. Here's the process. Here's the steps. Here's the thing. And that box ain't working. But I interpret it like I'm failing. So I go to unhealthy ways of dealing with it. I'm a horrible leader. And now I give people an imitation pastor because I'm sending my veneer version to the to the stage. So let's talk about this for a second. Because what you're bringing up is really important. The, the ability and the willingness to get in the space of being uncomfortable, reevaluate. You know, I, I, I love this. But okay, let's talk about this. Our pastors are in that space right now as well. And, and they are leading entire organizations, entire groups of people, entire staff. If we feel we have a second of pressure, they have infinitely more pressure we don't you don't know what it's like to um sit in that seat unless you've been there i think i i have not been there um but i have sat across you know the the dinner table with many and have have just kind of come to believe that so i guess um i could see growing frustration with with people if your pastor's unclear you know maybe he or she is still trying to figure out what's next, you know, themselves, what would you say to that leader that's navigating, navigating that? Like, how do we give our pastors the space and the grace to lead in this season uh, when they're probably dealing with it, with it more than we are? Totally. What a great question. So here's what I would tell everybody is rediscover before you redesign. So right now, everybody's thinking about, we got to redesign. We got to like, ah, ah, what are we going to do? Tell me, rediscover who you've always been. God wants a new expression of what you've always been. So the reinvention is not a complete destruction. It's a rediscovery for a new expression. What I'm trying to tell the leaders at Elevation and our staff is this. Let's look back to look forward. Let's rediscover to to determine and build a new expression. That's what God wants. So this is a document from 15 years ago for when we started the ministry. It represented eight months of our core team, eight families getting together, praying and fasting and sacrificing. But it all went back to this. It's, this was our our purpose statement, our vision statement. So that people who are far from God will be raised up into the abundant life found only in Christ. We've shortened the sentence, but the spirit has always remained the same. So we gotta go to a North star, a guiding principle that says whatever we do, so it's not necessarily about LB being comfortable. It, it, it's not about making an efficient system for Brandon to navigate. It's about how are we going to reach people far from God? So what I would tell to the staff that might be looking at a pastor that they're frustrated with and granted. The, yeah, because nobody knows there's so much uncertainty. Don't. And, I, and I've shared this before with you, Brandon. The last thing you can do is show up with a pencil and pen and say, tell me what to do. Totally. You don't know what to do. 
She doesn't know what to do. Help them rediscover who they've always been. That's the challenge right now for ministries. Pastor, tell me your dreams. Why'd you get into this? What gets you excited? Take it back so that you can move forward. You know, I that is such a good point. And I have even found in little moments and, and then in even one couple hour conversation the other night, um, I've had opportunity to lead up in this season, but leading up for me has not been about trying to change something or correct something. It's, it's, I, when I was given the moments, I took them to offer something refreshing. I, I took them to offer, you know, a drink of water to my pastor. I got an opportunity to share a couple things with him recently, just my heart for our ministry and for him and for his family. And I just figure, man, if he, if nothing else, if he walks out of this season feeling encouraged by me while I give him the space to figure out what in the world is going on here, I figure if I do nothing else, there's, there's probably no accomplishment, you know, that that's worth more than in this season helping them just just find Christ and purpose and refreshment again in in their own way. Yeah, and you are great at that. The way that you serve up underneath Pastor Kevin is just, I know you're, you're, when David was battling and he was hiding in the cave, he just spoke underneath his breath, man, I wish I could have a glass of water. A couple of his guys heard his whispers and went and got water for him. And when you do that for your senior leader, it's just giving them a glass of water. And it's such a gift that nobody else can give them, but you can because of the access you have well, with that. Totally. And, and, um, I guess the reason, the reason I brought that up was because, um, everyone seems like right now we're trying to get back in growth mode. You know, we're trying to get back into what, what we were, what we were used to, you know, the, 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 the January surges, the September surges, the Easter's, the Chris, we, we, we were so accustomed to it. And it's not, it's not happening by and large, you know, right now, at, at least not in the way I think, I think growth is happening right now, just in a totally different way that that's for another, another uh, point to be made. But I just felt like, and, and I, I did, I mean, I have 40 years in our church, so I, and I have, I have 20 years on team. So I, I do have probably more of an ability and more trust, you know, to say things. But I think even for the staff member who's been at their job six months and a year, there is still something you can offer a, a bit of gratitude, you know, a, a bit of, um, I think there's something you can offer that's refreshing to your pastor in this season. And it, it, I just wonder if the, the drive to get back into growth mode, if that isn't just really misplaced just, just right now in this hour that maybe there's a depth and a potency God is building right now in, in his church. And we're not supposed to get there yet. You know, we're supposed to be right here, but, but quite frankly, just helping my pastor, um, stay in the game and stay healthy and stay strong to me just feels like the most important thing right now. Well, and, and it is, it's like every family that, that has gone through job transition or has quarantined has gone through a situation that's been forced to live in a situation and made him realize like, Wow, it helped me identify my biggest priorities, what matters the most. Anytime a family goes through tragedy, the whole family says, it made me appreciate my kids and my family so much more. 
But once you be get beyond the echo of the tragedy, do we kind of go back to old patterns? And that was more of just a moment rather than a lifestyle. And I think God wants a lifestyle from us. He doesn't want a moment. So for, we, we talked about the idea of giving yourself oxygen earlier. What I realized last year going into COVID, and it was kind of cool how God timed it, is I've got to create a personal scoreboard to know where I'm winning. And because I realized that a lot of how I feel is really determined by the metrics of growth. And if it's, if it's up and to the right, I feel good about myself. It's not, I feel bad about myself. And I realized I'm giving away uh, my sense of contentment and it's being driven by circumstances outside of me. So on my phone, I created a trophy case. You know how you walk in a school, you see the trophy case. I, I created the Brisman because you know, they got the Heisman. So I made my <laughs> Brisman trophy case. I'm not going to show you any of these photos, but it would be things like me the moment when I read with my kid or I did something and I reached out to that volunteer and I know it was for God's glory and I felt his pleasure in it. I had to take snapshots to put in my trophy case that I don't show to the world. None of them ever were on Instagram because they're not for them. They're for me that I've got to have a scoreboard that I can go to and say I'm winning. And so that's for me been life-giving this year to know that I'm putting points on the board at the places where it matters. The Brisman. Man, somebody I I I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that. I need I need something for me. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that on my wall right here in my office. That uh do it. Somewhere where the podcast won't hit it. Well, and, and so let me tell one of those was a night I felt all this pressure to get a project done. But my my nine-year-old daughter, she's got a learning disability with reading. And she just wanted me to read with her. And my first instinct was, babe, I love it, but I got to get this done. And I started to open up my laptop and I felt the conviction of the Lord and saying, what are you doing? And so I closed the laptop and I go read with my daughter and I kept a, captured a picture of it to remember that moment to say, there's other times where I get it wrong, but God, thank you for having me a glimpse of sunlight to let me know I got it right in that moment. And if you did it once, you can absolutely do it again in me. Man, I, I hope everybody's finding those moments right now. That's so valuable and so good. Um, a little little funny story. This is like super recent. This just happened last night in our world. My We were just going to send our daughter up to go brush her teeth and read, you know, for a few minutes before bed. And she pulls this packet out of her binder. She's in fourth grade. Pulled a packet out. It's a presentation due today. And she goes, it's okay. I can just do it in the morning. And we looked at it and I'm thinking, this is two to three hours minimum. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And Lindsay, Lindsay and I are texting the whole time. Lindsay's just furious, you know? And I'm like, okay, I got a little more of my daughter's personality. I was like, okay, just, just let me, let, I got this one. Let me kind of coach this moment. And I mean, it being real with you, I wanted to sit down and send you notes for this conversation today. I wanted to sit down and do other things. I had even my late night to-do list. I just felt God tell me, you focus on her right now. Like she, she messed up, you know, she screwed up. She, she was supposed to be working. I found out later she had this for seven days. She was supposed to be working on it for seven days and she's, she's going to, she's now going to pull an all nighter. And so I, you know, of course, Lindsay and I are texting. We're, we're so mad. And I, I said, Hey, we just got to help her. So I made her some tea and we, 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 I said, we're going to pull an all nighter on this one. I've daddy's done it, you know? And, um, 
we got it out and I, it was, it was just, I, I just walked away thinking, okay, that, that was the moment tonight. Like it wasn't about sending Larry interview notes for a podcast conversation, which needed to happen. It was, it was, um, you know, it was about that moment and just maybe, maybe, maybe that's, that's the prize right now that we can all find the Lord in again. That's beautiful. We would say you can't win everywhere at once, but we create a culture that says nobody's perfect, but don't screw up. <laughs> nobody's perfect. Don't screw up. That's, gosh, that's so true. But it's like, man, so Brandon can feel like I'm winning. The worst place in the world is to not to feel, to not know if you're winning. And I wonder how many staff volunteers, leaders are living in a world where like, I don't know if I'm winning. And so a lot of that stuff is outside of me, but what can I control within me to know if I'm winning within me? You won with your daughter last night. Yeah. Take a picture of that and put it in your trophy case. Hey, so I figured something we could do today that'd be valuable before we, before we end this is um, something I appreciate about you, Larry, is that you are a friend I can call and have a conversation that I can't have with anybody else. You know, I, everybody needs that space. And I pray everyone listening that you have created that space for yourself. And if you haven't, you need it. You need a personal team around you of people that know where you're at, that know the ugly stuff, the gross stuff, you know, you, you need to get that out of you. I'm going to just ask a broad question, but I'm going to ask it on behalf of people who may not have that space right now. Um, and I, it, it, it's a question I, we, it's a subject we hit often in leading second, but I just want to give you the space to talk without a specific scenario or a question sitting in front of you. I just want to talk alignment for a second, because I know that if, if COVID was the great revealer to all of us as to, you know, our priorities and all these things, I think one trauma churches have experienced is there were there were gaps that that sprung up in our alignment. My my pastor said this recently. He said, I think what we're going to realize that previously in our churches, we were assembled, but not aligned, that we had a bunch of people, a bunch of people in the same room at the same time, but we weren't necessarily working off of the same playbook. We thought we were actually, but we weren't. And, and this season revealed it. So some of the people that have left and are just going to be gone, it may not be all bad from the standpoint of maybe there's another place they can align with in a greater way, but alignment just seems to have taken some hits and it is so vital. Our unity is just so vital. What would you say? So I'm just going to ask on behalf of maybe someone out there, what would you say to the leader right now? who's wrestling through alignment issues. Like, what would you say back to that leader if they were to call you right now? Gosh, I love that one pastor Kevin said, said that I'm going to rip it off because it's, it's so good. Yeah, do it, do it. Um, but, but man, so we, we've alluded to this whole thing. We lived in this uncertainty, this anxiety, this unknown for, for a year. And what happens when you live in extended periods is everybody becomes easier to offend. And I, I do believe there's probably alignment stuff coming along, but how much of it is just a byproduct of the uncertainty and my kids, they want to go back to school and they can't. And my husband's lost his job and I'm uncertain about everything. So screw you. And so we're so much easier to offend. So what we've got to learn how to do is deal with my own offense 
and become hard to offend. Mm. And there is alignment issues, but I wonder how much of it is just called grace we need to extend and give the person permission to have humanity. Because when you don't have healthy expressions for the frustration, it will always expose itself in places you never wanted. And when we look at people in the church world and they left and they got mad, did they really? Or they've got a, a, a parent that's socially distanced dealing with dementia that they can't see and they feel like they're failing their parent. And so there's so much grace when we start to understand the story that people are walking in in these days. So alignment's huge, but I think we got to start with what makes me easy to offend? How do I stay away from that? How do I deal with it? And then how do I extend people grace and realize like, that's not Brandon. He just hasn't slept for four days. <laughs> right, right. And so I think that's such a part of it. I, my wife and I, we went on a cruise a couple of years ago and um, I loved it. My wife will never go back. She hated it, hated it. <laughs> First night we're there, I went down to the maitre d' and I, I was waiting to ask a question about dinner that night. Long line of people behind me. There was an old couple in front of me, must have been mid eighties. And then a man taking forever with the maitre d'. The old couple in front of me is cussing liking dropping all shades of, of like language. You're like, what? And I, I can't ignore that stuff. So I looked at them. I said, I'm sorry, you probably haven't noticed it, but that man's taking a long time. I would, he, you probably don't know this, but he's on this cruise with his wife and she's terminally ill with cancer. And oh, he's wow. planning out their last meal so that every detail is attended to. Oh. They looked at each other and they were grief stricken. I made that story up and I never told him I lied. <laughs> a little bit of understanding changes everything. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Your person you were cussing out, you have empathy for because you understand some of their story. But when I'm frustrated, I don't start in that place of assuming the best about you, Brandon. You know what I'm going to start doing? I'm just, when I'm driving and ticked off, I'm just going to assume, I'm just going to make up stories. That's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to I do it. What... <laughs> I do it. That's so good. That's so good. Um, I, may, I make up bad stories right now. So maybe that would help me because I, I make up other stories about how much of a jerk they are. So, so now this will help give me some empathy. <laughs> I love it. Uh, um, but I think practically with alignment, I think it's going back to a North star. What is the, the non-compromisable vision? What's written in, in stone, what's etched in stone and what's written in pencil? What can we erase? 80, 90, 95% of stuff in our ministry is stuff that can change and maybe should change but we fight over the, the stuff that could change because it's easier for us, it's most convenient for us. And most people leave their seat because they don't like the way that they're interacting or the change or all those other things. But it's up to us as leaders to help clarify, to say, guys, what are we trying to win at? From there, let's structure versus like, how do I hold on to my pieces? You have so much wisdom, Larry. I, I, value you so much. I love you. And I'm, I really appreciate some time from you today just to, 
just to pour into leaders. We're going to, we're going to take this conversation and do something with it and really make sure some people hear it. I appreciate it so much. Um, let me ask you this, just kind of land the plane here. Um, what's your greatest prayer for the, for leaders right now in the church? What are you, what are you on your knees before the Lord praying for? And, and maybe just give you a final minute just to speak some words of life into leaders listening today. Um, as a parent, when you see your kid have a, um, a loss of innocence because you see shame come in and you still rob them of that, that joy, um, it breaks a parent's heart. It breaks a father's heart. I remember, gosh, each of my kids, when they became aware of they, they, they did something and you, not that they did something wrong, but you could see them believe they were something wrong. There was one thing to make a mistake, but it's another thing to feel like you're a mistake and believe you're a mistake. That crushes the heart of a father. And I believe that so many church leaders um, are living in that land right now, that the lies of the enemy have created false labels they put upon themselves, and they're operating out of a false identity and a false label. And the part where I'm on my knees is that they would allow people to hold one another up. I pray that everybody watching this would have somebody you can reach out to and talk to and call to actually process because we're the last ones to feed ourselves. We're the last ones to put the oxygen mask on us, but it's the lies. And I think more people walk away from their calling, not because they don't love it. They just don't know how to interpret it and how to handle it. And I teach my kids this lesson. I, I, I call it the fill in the blank test. And I have them get out a piece of paper. And, and the question is, what does your daddy think about you? And I put a blank line there and I force them to write stuff down because I want to teach them how to interpret, how to, how to fill in the blank test. I want them to interpret the silence. So my dad loves me. My dad believes in me. My dad cares for me. So when you make a mistake, when you screw up, what are you going to believe? What you feel or what your father has said? It's teaching people how to interpret the silence. And too many of our leaders are being picked off by the enemy, lobbing lies that have become labels that now we start to believe. What does your leader think about you, church leader across the country? He loves you. He cares for you. He believes in you. That, let, let's, that's what I'm praying for right now is how to interpret the silence, the fill in the blank test. I've been wondering if silence from our leaders in this season right now, um, is it maybe a good thing? And, and I, I, here's maybe qualifying that statement a little bit. When I was talking with my pastor last summer, 2020 summer, um, right in the thick of it, we had just got done with the podcast and, um, it, it was just heavy. It didn't feel like normal, you know? And, and I just, the, the recording was off, you know, and I said, are, are, how are you? And, you know, we, we talked for a minute and then I just, I asked him, I said, is there anything I can do for you? I mean, name, name it and you got it. And you know what his answer was? His answer was, um, just stay faithful. Just, just keep doing what you do. Don't, don't flinch. Don't look to the left or to the right. Just keep on. And he didn't, he didn't say it like this, but how I interpreted it and ran with it was, be the staff member I don't need to worry about right now. Like be, be the one I'm not concerned about. Be the least that 
And, and so I took that, like I, I tried to do that. I tried to honor that. And what came with that was radio silence because he was out worrying about other things. And so then all of a sudden I realized, oh, it's, it's a little silent here. I don't hear from him that much. I've actually come to perceive that now as a compliment, but that took some discipline to get there. And I think we, we all need to need to find that. And on the days where I feel like I'm winning at home with my wife and I'm winning with my kids. And I feel like I'm knocking meetings out and I'm crushing stuff. The silence doesn't, doesn't matter. But on the days where I'm not winning over here and I drop the ball in this thing, now you add the silence to it. So nobody thinks about getting an umbrella on a sunny day. But we wait till the rainy day to get it and we're already wet at that point. And um, it is funny. A couple of years ago, I, I preached at Elevation. And I think my pastor's the greatest preacher on the planet, Pastor Stephen. Um, and I think that the stage... Um, and the, the level of speaker he puts on there is just, it's, it's world-class. And, and so he had me preach in the pulpit. And so I preached the Saturday night and I got done. I go back to the green room and I'm getting text messages and DMS from all over the place. There was only one that mattered. Yep. Yeah. And I didn't get a text message. So I went home that night and I'm like, oh gosh, pastor hated it. So I stay up and I rework my whole sermon. I'm going to give it my best. I'm going to prove to him like, no, no, no. I preached the 9.30 the next morning, Sunday morning. No text message. Preached the 11.30. Silence. By the time I got to work on Monday, I didn't expect my key fob to work. <laughs> my, my, in my head, my kids have been taken to social services. I'm in prison. And finally, he texts me on Wednesday. And I saved the text message. It's in my trophy case. He said, thank you for giving me my first weekend off in more than a decade right enough to preach or take care of a guest. And I just watched your sermon. You crushed it. I'm proud of you. Hmm. The greatest compliment he could give me. Silence. Silence. But how do I interpret the silence? Beautiful words, my friend. Um, and I receive it. And hey, for anyone listening today, we are on the journey with you as you're as you're walking through all of this in this season. Hey, um, send us out today, LB, and maybe uh, just speak a blessing. Why don't you pray for some leaders listening today? If they're, if they're still here an hour in, uh, they needed something today. So why don't you just uh, bless them as we, as we end? Well, um, Brandon, thank you. Thank you for your, um, your assignment in the kingdom. And it's vital. It's necessary. It's needed. And so many are looking to you to be a model and they're patterning themselves after you. And you're like, well, my God, don't pattern yourself after me because because we know our humanity. And so I hope more than anything else, the people listening today, watching today, heard permission for their humanity. And you never graduate out of your struggle. That's the thing about David. Once again, once again, once again, am I always going to struggle with this? Am I always going to have this issue? Yeah. And what I would want to speak over you is okay to have mixed motives. And we create dumb dichotomies as your pastor preached. We create binary options if it's either all good or all bad. And I realize I'm never all good. So by default, I'm all bad. There's a lot of humanity in between all of those. I want to preach on the stage at Elevation. I want to advance the gospel. I want to edify the saints. I want people to come to faith in Jesus. I also want my pastor to be proud of me. I also want to prove to my seventh grade teacher that I'm not an idiot. See, <laughs> suck it. And so maybe I shouldn't say that on your podcast, but <laughs> I've got mixed motives. They're all over the place. I pray that you would gain permission through the Holy Spirit living inside of you 
to start becoming aware of your motives and start to order them. What would you like at the top of the list? I don't want to say it's bad or good. Just what kind of life does it produce? I want my pastor to be proud of me. It just can't be top of the list. Yep. Great. And so, Father, I thank you for the um, the anointing that's on this house, that's on leading second. Thank you for the way that Brandon isn't just talking about stuff, but he's living it out the way he holds up. Pastor Kevin in Champion Center, thank you that he is a model that others could look to. I pray blessing over him and Lindsay as they continue to move forward. Thank you for the way that you have taken their private dreams and you brought them into the public sphere and you're showing it off for your glory. Not because they're great, but because you are great and greatly to be praised, but they've been sacrificial and they have honored you and they have done everything that they're demonstrating for the world to do. And for the church leader that's feeling exhausted right now, I pray that you would pick their arms up. I pray that they would know that there's brothers and sisters in Christ in the kingdom interceding for them right now. I pray that they would choose something that would bring them oxygen, a conversation, a walk, a good night's sleep. May they make a choice to believe better by doing something different. God, we don't know what the future holds, but we do know the mission that the gospel would spread to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the ends of the earth. That's what we're about. Anoint your sons and daughters to see things that they've never seen before. Allow them the capacity to kill things that need to die and birth things that need to live. God, thank you. Thank you for your church, the righteous bride of Christ. We know how this thing ends. Thank you for the victory that you've already won, but give the saints encouragement today to take one more step towards your glory. We love you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks, my friend. For more information, check out leadingsecond.com. Follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond. And join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook.